Well, Daniel, are we ready to get the show on the road here? We are on a time crunch today because we've got a movie to get ourselves to. Yep. Alien. Alien. The first one. Singular. I'm actually going to set a timer here because we are not going to go over 45 minutes. Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Movies and Brews, where we talk movies. And we drink some brews. I'm Jordan, and sitting across from me here is the Blair Witch himself, Daniel. I'll kill you. So, yes, we are doing another throwback this week to the year 1999. And we are going to be talking the original Blair Witch Project. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and don't go into the woods. Cheers! All right, well, before we get started here, Daniel, let's talk about what we're drinking. Daniel, your week this week, what'd you bring us? So I brought something. I just grabbed the can that caught my eye this week, and it was called Raspberry Skies. Hazy IPA? By Hop Capital Brewing. It's a hazy, It's a raspberry hazy IPA. I just had a nice little sunset with a boat on the water, so I'm like, that looks nice. Where I'll try that. I wonder where they're at. Oh, Yakima, Washington. All yep. Right. All right, Ooh. well, let's try this. Hazy IPA, good, good. Oh wow, Whoa. it's a little more tart than I thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, that's got a kick to it. Yeah, not quite a sour, but I don't know. It tastes like raspberries. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, cool. I don't know it's that was a little bit unexpected, but not bad. I like no, it. If no. you, I think if you lean towards the sour but don't love the complete like sour taste, I think this would probably be for someone up their alley yeah not shabby all right cool well, thanks for bringing that in all right so yes we are going to uh, be skipping movie news this week but we're going to go right into other movies on tap and we're going to talk about other things we've seen this week so i've only got one to talk about and it's going to be super brief i know you've got a couple i have three three all right well why don't you start then daniel all right so i'm going to start with uh i showed my girlfriend Zombieland for the first time. She had never seen it, and I've seen it a bunch. So, I mean, if you haven't seen Zombieland, it's fucking awesome. And the second one's coming out soon, so that's why we rewatched the first one. But she loved it. She had a great time watching it. Uh, Bill Murray scene, she wasn't expecting, which is nice. Like, I didn't know how much she had heard about. She didn't even know that there was a celebrity cameo, much less that it was Bill Murray. Yeah, I'm overdue to watch that, and uh, I should probably watch it in the next few days because sequel's coming out. Yep, but I don't know. I watched Zombieland too, and it was great. Still holds up. I still laughed my ass off. Cool. Uh, well, so you know, as you know, I'm taking a screenwriting class this term, and part of our homework this week was we had to pick a screenplay that was kind of had something to do with the one we're writing, and so read the screenplay and watch the movie. I chose 500 Days of Summer. So, yeah. Gosh, I can't believe that. That one is 10 years old now already. I've still never seen that one either. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, great little uh, great little movie. It's um, not everybody's cup of tea as far as, like, a romance movie goes, you know, or... but Right, because no happy ending, right? Or is that spoiler? I don't know. It's 10 years old. <laughs> not saying. All right. Well, just, all right. I just missed Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I missed seeing Yeah, he movies. was... 
in the spotlight for quite a while and all of a sudden just has kind of disappeared. I think he's just doing other projects now. Yeah, he owns a he owns like a media company now. Okay. Well, but yeah, I miss seeing him on the screen as well. Yeah, because right around that time he was on a roll. He had like fifty fifty come out. Uh he was in the Dark Knight Rises. Inception. Inception, yeah. I mean he had a bunch of stuff around Looper. That time. Looper. Ah, love Jeez. Looper. All right, well, yeah, but I would definitely say, you know, as far as rom-com goes, this is one of my favorite ones, and yeah, doesn't everybody's not totally satisfied with the ending, that's all right, but I do love the storytelling and the just the way they go about telling the story. It's a great script, and yeah, I've actually, I've re- I'm reading the original draft, so it's kind of interesting seeing what they've changed from the movie to the, uh, or what changed from the page to the screen. Okay. Scenes that didn't make it and things like that. But uh, yeah, definitely say if you've never seen it, check it out. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I don't think so. I just had it on my shelf, so I pulled it off and watched it. But yeah, check it out. 500 Days of Summer. Sweet. All right, so the second movie I watched was my assigned movie, which was Ed Wood starring Johnny Depp, directed by Tim Burton, right? Yes. Okay. I kind of forgot. Says so in those amazing credits. What? I said said so in those amazing opening credits. Right. (laughs) This was a weird, 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 weird movie. This was an amazing movie. It was weird. And I got to say, as far as Cups TV, this wasn't my cup of tea. Although it was, I, did, I didn't I did hate it. It just wasn't a movie that I'll probably go back and rewatch and rewatch. I didn't, Really? It doesn't have rewatchability for you? No, no. I'm, I'm not saying I will never rewatch it. It's just not something that would be on my constant rotation of movies. But I really enjoyed it. And I think what held on to me is the, no, well, not, not the novelty, but just like I've never seen uh johnny depp play a role like he does ed wood that's why i love this movie so much is this is probably definitely up there with the top two or three but probably top two johnny depp performances is ed wood i I love him and especially like in the regards of tim burton directing him because usually you know like in corpse bride he's like quiet and you know just talks very softly same with like Kind of, at least towards in the beginning of Edward Scissorhands, maybe he gets louder at the end. I don't know. <laughs> you have to watch it. But, you know, and then the most people know him from, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, at least at this point. So it was just interesting to see um, a Johnny Depp, unlike any other Johnny Depp I've seen, because usually he's either drugged up or he's, uh, or he's just, you know, like a pirate, I guess. Yeah. Oh, so many good parts, though. The great cast, though. I mean, the supporting cast. I mean, you've got Bill Murray's in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Jones is in it. Uh, you had Martin Landa, who is, I thought, amazing in this. He's the uh, older gentleman that was once Dracula. Right. And, I mean, this actually is kind of funny. With Martin Landa, this, has one probably, this movie has probably one of my favorite FUs in it ever. It's when that guy goes up to him, and it's like, excuse me, sir. Um, is it okay if I get your autograph? He's like, certainly. He's like... You know, one of my favorite movies that you were in is the one where you were, um, uh, what was that guy's name? Shit. I don't remember. Hold on, hold on. When you were Karloff's sidekick. And he's like, Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit! Well, what are you talking about? Like, you think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? Oh, ah, ah, ah. I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh, it's so good. Yeah, no, I, I love Mark Land in this movie so much. May he rest yeah. in peace. But yeah, oh, so good. And there's, there's parts like when they're filming um, Plan 9 from Outer Space and he's got like the tentacles wrapped around him in the water. He's like, pretend you're getting attacked. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> yeah, when I was looking, uh, when I was kind of looking up uh, movies that the guy had actually made, because I'm like, I, I'm like, I was pretty sure he was a real guy when I was watching the movie, but I'm like, this, oh, like, it's, it's so weird that I'm like, I could see that maybe he's just a made up crazy director or an amalgamation of a few different people. So I looked it up and yeah, he, and like, uh, what did you say? Planet Nine? Planet Nine. Yeah, I was like looking at that poster. I'm like, I have got to watch this movie though. And so I definitely want to check that, especially since October seems like a perfect month to kind of watch something like that. Oh, you should totally. No, maybe we should do like a both watch and do like a mini review on it. Maybe. That'd be fun. Because yeah, I, I, I was interested in the story. Uh, I didn't, like I said, like the movie was <laughs> kind of weird. Not, so many great parts it wasn't like, not enjoyable. And I think maybe, maybe I would like it more on things just because I was not expecting what I got and I didn't know well, what I was expecting. I love, we just in. love so many moments too. Like a guy goes through the door and closes it and it shakes the set and he's like, all right, cut, print. He's like, wait, don't you want to redo that? Nah, it's perfect. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> plays like, it kind of reminded me of uh, the Marx Brothers a little bit. Just kind of like slapsticky comedy. It's kind of, I guess, around the same time frame that it's based in. Yeah. Right? 1930s, 40s Hollywood. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's there's little like there's a lot of little pieces that I enjoyed, but they just like it was really <laughs> weird to take in. All right. All so right. it well, just caught me off guard. Anyway, I totally recommend it. Yeah, this is the only movie where Tim Burton has not used uh, Danny Elfman to do a score. He actually got Howard Shore, who we all know, composer of Lord of the Rings. Oh, do we? Yep. I guess if you've seen the Lord of the Rings. But yeah. So yeah, he used Howard Shore for this, and what a cool soundtrack that is too. I, like I love the opening credit sequence. Yeah. I think that's great with the camera going through the graveyard and everything. Good stuff. Anyway, yes, Ed Wood. Um, I highly recommend it if you've never checked it out. I don't. I don't think it's available to stream anywhere, but you it know, rent it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, like I said, it's not a bad movie. It just wasn't for me, but it was still very enjoyable to watch Johnny Depp be something different than you normally. All right, did. what else did you see? Now the coup de gras of what I watched this week. Was something I've mean to get around to for a long time, and I put it on, put it as streaming on Amazon Prime. But I watched Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. Oh. So I think it's from 1958. Sounds right. But uh, black and white heist movie directed by Stanley Kubrick. And I just kind of heard about this because they mentioned it on a podcast and talked about like the ending, how it was so good. So I'm like, all right. I gotta watch this. I love heist movies, and I've never seen one like from that era. So I'm like, this this will be cool. And I gotta say, was not disappointed. I, the writing I thought was pretty witty, and wasn't expecting how non-linear the storytelling was. There's a lot of things that happen concurrent concurrently that they show like at different parts of the movie that are happening in the exact same time frame because it's a heist. So multiple people are doing different things at the exact same time to make sure everything comes together. And I gotta say, it comes together, which is what makes or breaks a heist movie is when they explain the twist, How if it doesn't make a lot of sense, it kind of feels like you wasted a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But I gotta say, it comes together. I Had I, that magical moment. Yeah, I really loved it, and the ending was just like, holy shit. Okay, that was great. I've never seen it. I would. I should check it out. You said it's streaming on Prime? Yeah, that's oh, where I watched it. Yeah, I should check it out. I was just like, I was... I was sitting at home and I'm like, I don't know what to watch. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to watch The Killing. I mean to do it. it. They take stuff off Prime all the time. So I just watched it. Was not disappointed. Definitely a cool heist movie and just a good movie in general. Plus, I haven't really watched a lot of older movies. 
but I've been get we've been watching more and more of those recently, like when we went and saw Casablanca and stuff. So I was like getting into it. So I, I really liked it. Well, cool. All right, Daniel. Well, awesome. So there's some good recommends for this week. If no one's seen those movies, check them out. Let's uh, let's uh, get into our main movie on tap here, Daniel. So this week wasn't really anything worthwhile that we wanted to see in theaters. I mean, were we really going to watch Will Smith take on the Fresh Prince? I don't know. I just wasn't up to for it. No, yeah, especially like looking at him, like, I made the mistake of watching like a couple of reviews and everybody's just like, eh. And I'm like, well, shit, I shouldn't have watched that. But, you know, it just. Well, we're gearing up here for a whole season where we'll be seeing a whole bunch of stuff. So. Anyway, we decided to do another throwback. Once again, we dived into the year 1999, and we pulled out a little film called The Blitter Witch Project. Yes, we did. We pulled it right out so, of yeah. the 90s. So, yeah, written and directed by Daniel Murick and Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, released July 16th of 1999. So, this movie, I guess I'll give you my take on it. I was in high school when this came out. I was in between, what, sophomore, junior year, you know, same summer, obviously, American Pie came out, like we talked about a few weeks ago. I remember hearing the hype for it, and people talking about going to see it, like this is before the school year got out, people talking about wanting to see that Blair Witch movie coming out later in the summer. And, because, yeah, the thing that made this movie interesting is the marketing. Yes. So, it's they want, because, I mean, this said right here in the poster of the tagline, in October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared into the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. So that was the tagline that was on all the posters. So what they did, I, I think the concept was really cool. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, the concept itself and what led up to it, I thought was awesome. The whole idea is, let's make it look like these kids just went in the woods, you know, shot some stuff. Never came back. And never came back. And we found their footage. We sliced it together. And here's a little treat for you. And I got to say, the marketing around it was genius because they had, like, missing post signs, like, missing kid signs in college campuses. They, you know, they launched the Blair Witch Project. I think it was just BlairWitch.com. Yeah. In 99, actually, in 98, I believe. And just had, like, basically just had grainy crime scene photos. Oh, really? So, yeah. I didn't good. know about that part. I it's, knew about the posters and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of made, just make it look kind of x file ish I mean, the whole thing was to get rumors going, like, holy cow, a few years ago, these kids died in the woods trying to film something. And they're going to release it? And they're going to release their footage. Oh, wow, we got to check this out. So, yeah, I mean, the, the idea was birthed in the year of 1999, or 19, <laughs> 1991. And, yeah, I think a few years went by. Uh, I guess... Let me go back to talking about my initial reaction to it first from back in the day. So, and yeah, for, for whatever reason, I never got around to seeing this. Not sure why. I I think that, you know, there's probably another R movie added to the list that I was trying to sneak out to. And I was probably just more interested in seeing American Pie a couple times in theaters over that summer. <laughs> you know, it's probably, you know, I'm in high school on a budget. And I guess when it came down to it, well, would I rather go see American Pie again or Go see, I don't know, some thinking about a witch. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, I did not ever get around to seeing it. Eventually, I heard the con- about the concept, the spoiler, and everything like that, that the actors, spoiler, still alive. <laughs> yep. 
So, but yeah, and then I remember, you know, a couple years later, the sequel coming out, things like that. And, you know, just whatever, for whatever reason, I just have never sat down and watched it till this week. And that's actually kind of funny. So, I ended up watching it on a laptop, which in some ways almost was just as effective as it would have been on a TV or on a theater screen 20 years ago. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like I put pulled it up off YouTube, like, hey, check out this footage that was found. And you just click on it and watch it on your computer. Yeah. So, yeah, sitting down watching it, I kind of knew what to expect, kind of didn't. Um, again, I you know read some chapters in the book about it. I got to say, overall, for what they were trying to pull off, I thought they did a great job. Yeah, it's definitely ambitious. Well, it doesn't like fulfill all of the promises. It's still like an ambitious movie that we still f- see the effects of today because it created the found footage. Blah. It created the found footage genre that, well, I think it's died down a lot. But I mean, like it even still was going strong in like 2010, 2012. I think that's when like the Paranormal Activity movies were coming out. Uh, that was a huge deal. Chronicle came out. Yeah, what, what was the first one called? Uh, Paranormal Activity? No, the first... Uh, I don't know, I'm thinking of a... You said Chronicle. I was thinking of a... What, what's the one? Some di- some dinosaur thing is attacking the city. War of the Worlds? No. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yes, okay, yeah, I'm like, duh, Cloverfield. I've still never seen the original Cloverfield, so that one didn't come to mind. But yeah, Cloverfield... Like was a big part of the resurgence too. Like we still see those movies popping up today, to over well twenty years later. <laughs> so, so what were your thoughts kind of going in here? Like obviously you were a kid when this came out originally. Yeah, I think I was five when this movie came out, so I would not have been aware of it whatsoever, um, and I wasn't. You weren't hyped to see it at five? No. Uh, no. More interested in Toy Story too. Yeah, I'm still am. <laughs> But no, so I, I didn't know anything about it. I'd actually listened to a podcast who did a Blair Witch Project episode. I'm like, oh man, like I've heard of this movie. Like it's kind of like one of those like movies that eluded me for so long that I'm just like, I have like, I like horror, but I've never watched the Blair Witch Project mostly because I don't actually really enjoy found footage films that much, but I'm like, okay, well this is what started it all. So let's I at least have to give this a watch. I don't have to rewatch it. Well, that, that's why I'm glad we watched it too, because I, it does feel good to have finally watched it after all these years later. Yeah. Because it's not really my genre either, but to kind of watch the one that kick, kicked all of it off was cool to finally see. I yeah. now feel like I'm a part of pop culture again. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, it was interesting to check out. Um, like I said, it was pretty ambitious for us. Like, I wish I would have known, like, the hype. In, like, retrospect, I think the story around, like, how they made this movie and, like, how they marked it was awesome and good and it's like it just struck at a precise time that this works because they leveraged the internet in its infancy essentially so like they were able to be like oh this is real look we have a website it, it was know. definitely like the right time right you know moment everything for this thing to be released and when it was made when it was released it was just perfect kind of lightning in a bottle moment exactly because you released that any like f- maybe even five Six years later, we have a lot more functionality on the internet. We could just Google it. Like, are these kids actually dead? Oh, they're not? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Art, Arts and Entertainment bought the film for $1.1 million after it premiered at uh, Cannes Film Festival. And then they um, put another $50 million into marketing for this. But like we were saying, the marketing was genius. To create the mystery around everything, genius. Because yeah. what they, you know, they, they spent, well... 
I guess we'll say total, $50, $51 million grand total, the thing went off and made 250 worldwide. Yeah. Off an initial $60,000 budget when they were shooting the thing. Right, yeah. Which so, is... Huge. What I mean, that's it's. I think it's one of the biggest... Um, what do you call that ratio? Like, like cost to like how much money they actually made ratio. I don't, there's a better way to say it, but yeah, I know what better way to say it. But yeah, I think it might be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, because yeah, this thing made a quarter billion dollars by, by the time it was said and done theaters worldwide, which is just crazy. Which, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And unheard of. like, yeah, it was bought immediately after a premiere too. I think it was at a midnight premiere. Um, yeah. Midnight premiere. And, yeah, and they even uh, part of what well, part of that uh, budget that which I mean, wouldn't cost very much because they still shot it on the same cameras. But the original ending, they said they didn't. The people who bought it said they didn't like, so they had them reshoot like two or three different endings. But inevitably, they actually went back to the original ending that they had already shot. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I mean, that's probably one of the high like the grit. Like it's a good way how to end the movie is like. The final scene in the house, which we'll get to that, but it's just, I thought it was kind of funny that they reshot because it, and then they decided that the original ending was the best one anyway. Yeah. So, how do you want to go about talking about this? Do you want to talk about the kind of the pre production stages? Because I found that very interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about that first. Let's talk about that first. So, yeah, the idea was birthed in 1991 by our two directors who, you know, they kind of played around the idea for a while and eventually started trying to find, you know, investors to like, hey, let's actually do this for reels. Right. What I thought was interesting, um, this is mentioned in the book, they decided like, okay, so where are we going to go where we're going to find some actors that are crazy enough to go out in the woods for like a week? Colleges. And, and yeah, they decided New York City, like, yeah, basically colleges, college campuses. That's how like, Sam Raimi did it. People that have got <laughs> interest in, you know, like, oh, the woods, that sounds exciting. Yeah, did you have the uh, the clip, like, what the ad said? I do. So, there was a sign-in sheet warning. You're about to read for the most demanding and unpleasant project of your career. If you are cast, we are going to drag you into the woods for seven days of hell. 168 hours of real-time improvisational t- torture or torment. We're not kidding. If you're not serious about your craft, then you're wasting your time and hours. Is that what you had? Yeah. All right. So I was like, damn. All right. At least it's up front. It's like, look, this is what's happening. It's kind of like a gorilla shoot. Like, I mean, uh, well, I don't know. We'll get to more stuff. I don't know what else you have. Well, right from, from what I read, too, like, you know, you have several people coming in and auditioning. What they did was they started um, casting people in like groups of three. Like, all right, you three go together. We'll see how your chemistry is. You three here. And to kind of just mix and match. And I'm sure they're pulling people out of groups, just trying to figure out what three had the best chemistry. Till finally they came out to their, you know, the three that would end up doing it. We got Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. Okay. So my favorite part, my one of my favorite factoids about the pre-production was the audition process. How the person walked in and they uh, they just immediately give them a prompt. No, like, no lead-in. Just like the person walked in the room and they just say, You've been in jail for the last nine years. We're the parole board. Why should we let you go? And then if they stumbled, they were out. And uh, the main actress, which is Heather Donahue, Heather Donahue, yep, uh, was the only one who gave a response of, "I don't think you should let me out." 
And that's how th- she got cast, like, I think immediately. But she was the only one that gave the answer, like, you shouldn't let me out. So I thought that was pretty great. And I just think that's, an like, pretty cool. Like, yeah, yeah it's I, I think she was the only one, or at least the, the one out of the three that really blew them away in the initial audition. She had to keep coming back for more auditions, but she was the one that initially blew them away. But, yeah, I mean, she was a cool find. I, I enjoyed watching her in this quite a bit. She was, I mean, the whole cast, all three of them were good, but I really enjoyed watching her a lot. Um... So yeah, I mean it's, it's kind of crazy because they so they go into the woods and they kind of they the produce film producers have this whole thing mapped out and they've got mm-hmm. the actors have a GPS and they're following it to different points. Yep, they're following it to get prompts for the day. Yeah, so they go find these white boxes like they're got these little orange flags on them. They go find them and it kind of gives them instructions on what's going to happen today, and they just go from there to the next box. I mean the next day, the next box. I mean the whole. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it was just a little over a week they were out in the woods filming this. And I think they were only in there for eight days, which also hilarious to note that they weren't like deep in the woods or anything. They're like in a day use park and they'd have to pause when people like would ride their bikes past and stuff, <laughs> which is just hilarious. But, you know, like when you're on a budget, you do what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, the audience got duped. We actually thought they were in the woods. Yeah, we actually thought they were in the woods. No, but it's like a day, it's like a day use park. <laughs> Which but, is great, but I don't know what a cool I, what a cool concept though. I mean, nobody had done anything like this before. Who knows if it's gonna work? I mean, who knows? I mean, it all depends. Like the marketing again was genius, and it really depended on. It was still a shot in the dark if it was gonna work or not. Right. But I thought it was a pretty cool idea, and I got yeah watching the footage. I mean, I'm sure there were obviously just hours shredded that we never saw i think they said they shot over 80 hours of footage and whittled it down to that hour and 20 minutes that we got oh my gosh that is crazy i feel like that might be even low i think it's 80 it could be more but yeah like when you shoot that much you'll find at least an hour and 20 minutes of compelling things yep well it was cool too before they went to the woods you show them like in the town grabbing groceries talking then they go to that town they're talking to locals out there yeah i thought that was cool i don't know why i love the interaction with that mom that child <laughs> the mom, child's like no no yeah just covering her monsters like don't talk about the evil witch mm-hmm. like dude it's fine it's fine that was pretty funny but yeah then they go get lost in the woods and eventually you know things start to happen and i gotta say i don't i wasn't really bored um watching it i mean it goes by pretty quick goes down smooth yeah. And, I mean, it does make you a little bit motion sickness, just a little with all the shakiness and everything. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. That's something I was worried about, because usually, like, with shaky cam footage, like, sometimes I can get nauseous. And with home shot, essentially, like, home shot, like, holding it in your hand footage, forget about it. Usually that would make me, like, just have to look down for a minute. But this one wasn't too bad. It probably would have made me sick if I watched it in the theaters. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't terrible in that aspect but i did have to it took some adjusting and i actually paused halfway through and went and ordered food because i was watching it out uh, at a cafe (laughs) and i came back and had to readjust and get used to it again but i don't know i overall enjoy this it's not something i would watch anytime soon again probably but again it was just cool to finally see you know the blair witch project yeah, like a, a little piece of zeitgeist history that we both missed out on. Yeah. I mean, I, I had an excuse. I was five. You you should have seen this. I probably should have <laughs> seen it. Yeah, I don't know why my friends and I didn't see it. I don't remember any of my friends at the time seeing it. But again, they're probably just two about the Matrix. I mean, again, that summer you had the Matrix, the Phantom Menace, American Pie. I mean, we were just 
all on budgets, different stuff to see. Yeah. And it was just another R movie that we had to sneak into. Okay. And I'd like to say, apparently, a correction is it was only 19 hours of footage. I thought they had a lot more, but it's still 19 hours of footage that they cut down to an hour and 20. Still a lot of time in the editing bay, but... Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to think here of any cool, like, trivia stuff. I mean, it's just it was just fascinating to kind of hear the story about them going through the process of getting the thing sold and things like that, but how they kept the actors a secret as far as like if they were really alive or not right and they even actually convinced i guess imdb at the time to like say under the, in their actor profiles that they were missing yep or deceased or something i think they just were able to get them to say missing for missing? a limited okay. time for the release I, well I, they i read somewhere that heather donahue's mother received uh, sympathy cards from people because they actually thought her daughter was dead or missing yeah and so we haven't really talked about this, but like, so the script for this entire movie is about 35 pages, um, which is insane. Cause usually I think a normal script length is 150 pages. Yeah. It's about each page equals about a minute of screen time. Right. So we have 35 pages and it's all just an outline because every single piece of dialogue isn't scripted. It's all improvised, which was the point of the movie. That's why they need improvisational skills. And so, you know, like the characters, like kind of the actors built their characters themselves, essentially. And like the dysfunction was all part of their improv, like building off of their own improvisations. Yeah, because basically, yeah, all they have is just like a basic outline and they're just giving specific notes here and there. Yes. And um, one of the things that I liked was if things got too heated or they needed to take a break, they had a safe word and the safe word was taco. Yeah. So the... If they say taco, they take a break and be like, okay, so what's what's the issue? Like, what, like trying to getting more direction or like kind of refocusing or something. But that's, they'd yell taco to break, uh, break the, uh, I don't know what to call it, the scene, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, something I read too is the uh, filmmakers were dressed in camo and they were like a safe distance behind them following the actors yeah. to make sure everything was going smooth. Which, yeah, because yeah. we didn't mention like the whole reason they d- shot it like this because I uh, can't remember which one of the director, director and writers, one of the two guys had survival training from the military, which is how they set up like, you know, he put points on the map and that's how they had a basic idea of where to go. So he that's just so like cool. took his survival training and just like made it into like the whole shoot was like a scavenger hunt for the actors. And so awesome. <laughs> there's a part that cracked me up uh, when Heather's got the uh, camera on Mike when he's got a shirt off. She's like. Mike's got really uh, sporadic hair patterns on his chest. It's like blank, hairy, blank, hairy. And then Mike goes, you should see my ass. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I thought that was hilarious. Like, there was some good humor between the characters. And, you know, I did. I like when she had whiskey. (laughs) Like, oh, God, I can't fucking stand whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I, I... I don't know. I enjoyed that. The dialogue, like I said, like the it, the story behind this whole thing is super interesting to me. Um, I still like, what is it? I feel like there's one more thing. Oh, one of my favorite things. I mean, like, are we, are we worrying about spoiling this movie? 20 um, years old? I think at this point, no. I think everybody knows that the actors are alive still. Well, the actors are alive. And the actor that dies in said movie was Josh. Mm-hmm. And a hilarious antidote that I thought was great is Josh's instructions were when he opened up his little instruction thing, he's like, go into the tent tonight, wait and make sure everyone is asleep and then walk out of the tent. 
And then they met him outside of the tent. He's like, you're dead, man. And they took him out for a hot meal at Denny's. Uh, go home. <laughs> yeah, Denny's. That's all we got in the budget. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're on a tight budget here, so uh, Denny's is all we can get you. No yeah. refills on your milkshake either. Right, exactly. So it's kind of... <laughs> So I thought that was hilarious because then, yeah, they they all wake up and they're like, oh, shit, where's Josh? You know, and they have to keep improvising and keep going and keep going. I, I actually I like that scene quite a bit where they're trying to find him when she does find like his shirt wrapped around the sticks with blood and everything inside. And teeth. And teeth. Which yeah. were real human teeth. Oh, gosh. Not <laughs> Josh's, but they were real. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that would freak there, me There are some cool moments. I do like her... Um, where she's talking to the camera alone, which I always thought that was one of the guys on the poster with the beanie cap on and the like will look like a flashlight in their face. Nope. But yeah, I guess it's Heather. <laughs> but yeah, her saying goodbye to her parents and saying, I'm sorry if we never make it back, it's my fault. Like, sorry. <laughs> right. Which was the, which is also translates to the iconic imagery of the cover. And I think that might've been the poster too of the Blair Witch. It was. That's, was... What, I, that's what I was just saying is I thought it was one of the guys on the poster oh, all, okay. all these years. I look like yeah. a poster. I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell with a beanie on. It's just like literally a beanie and an upshot of the nose. <laughs> You're like, wow, there's a lot of bookish in there. Right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the ending? And the, we come the to the house. Ending house scene was probably the best part of the movie for me. Like, it was suspenseful. They're running around this house trying to, because they hear, they think they hear Josh. And you see Mike eventually run down to the to the bottom of the stairs and then you just essentially assume he gets like hit over the head or something and he just falls over and the camera just stops and then uh you hear heather or yeah heather yeah heather uh run down the stairs and like what was that and then you just and you see her camera from her point of view just same thing happens just gets hit and just falls over and the camera just laying there keep and keeps recording so i thought that was a pretty great that's ending that's what i kept it. waiting for i'm like how are they gonna end this like what's gonna be the final shot right because that's one of the things that like at the time people are like oh you never i mean you never get to see the actual monster but to their credit that's for the best especially they're doing this super indie f- film production i don't think they could have pulled off a monster reveal no especially not in 1999 it would not hold well on well. there but it's sometimes less is more and it's just kind of let the audience imagine this up in their head i mean you give them enough clues let them think it up exactly so but yeah um i don't know if there's what else do you want to talk about uh let's see anything back to the pre-production you want to talk about at all um i guess the only other thing of like kind of trivia i guess is heather donahue like this is after the movie was like had been premiering like i think she saw a gigantic poster of herself you know saying missing and she's like you know and these are all kids who are trying to like break into acting and so she's like and she actually went on a talk show and it's like i'm the most i'm the most famous woman in america probably right now and everybody thinks i'm dead and <laughs> one of the other things is that she said that the hardest thing about being in the Blair Witch Project is people are just kind of upset that you're alive. Yeah. And I'm like, I never even thought about it. like, that has got to be fucking rough. That like, you're just like, yeah, I was in Blair Witch. It's like, oh, I thought you were supposed to be dead. Why aren't you dead? 
And that's not just like limited to just Heather, but you know, the guys too, like yeah. kind of similar. It's like, Oh, you're not dead. Like what yeah, the fuck? It's, it's kind of strange. Cause it has like, you, you kind of rise to fame and yeah. I mean, what a cool way to break into Hollywood is something like this. I mean, cool idea, cool concept, cool marketing. Um, but then yeah, after that, it's like, it's I don't kinda, know. Cause all of them, I think eventually they've all only done like under 20 things as far as like their film credits go. Yeah. So you could say this ruined their, career before they really got started at the same time maybe they would never have had an opportunity to like this ever you never know and one of the things that i think the all the act or at least i think um heather at the very least talks about how it's just it's kind of cool that you're part of like such like a cult like a cult phenomenon that like essentially indie movies break into the mainstream but leading up like just how it was marketed that who knows how far all of these like kids would have gone as far as acting careers if they weren't all like even on their IMDs like says they're missing or deceased. Mm-hmm. Like so they're like we're trying to get acting jobs but everybody thinks we're dead. So right. it's kind of like you know it's like strike while the iron's hot but they were literally not able to strike anything because they were supposed to well, be right, like, playing it, it into was the a marketing. Few weeks after it was released in theaters, like for a few more weeks, at least a month, that the you know the producers didn't want anybody to know that they were actually alive. They wanted because you know word of mouth like oh my gosh you gotta see this like this happened this few years back they're dead now go check out the footage they had yeah it's crazy yeah which also oh i guess something we haven't touched on yet was because this was like found footage you know before we knew like the what the genre would become like they that's kind of like gives them they gave them the agency to be able to make really weird jump cuts and like cut from like one scene to a completely different scene in a different setting just because like you know it's oh it's pieced together footage that we we just had to piece together what they had recorded yep so i think as far as like taking the liberties of like how they wanted to piece everything together and also makes it kind of like improvisational the improvisational improvisational (laughs) nature of the film like works a lot to that credit where they can like just keep going keep the ball rolling and like i don't know it's really interesting like i said like while this movie is definitely not something I loved, it like it's interesting to see what started the genre of found footage. Like I said, that yeah. we still well, see I, today. I think the most interesting stuff for me was just the reading up on the backstory of what led up to it, and just again the market, the brilliant marketing, and how it did become a hit off that was just great. All to me more fascinating than the movie itself. But the movie itself, I thought was still good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Again, not something I'm going to revisit all the time, but it was definitely cool to finally sit down and watch The Blair Witch Project. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, that's kind of a butchered review of it, sort of. But, yeah, um, what do you say we move on here, Daniel? I think I've said, yeah, everything I want to say. Oh, one thing that was kind of funny that I read up on was, you know, the, the movie premieres at the Sundance Festival and... People just aren't like, yeah, I don't know. Some people were walking out. So the you know, the director's like, I don't know. Is anybody going to want to buy our movie? And artists and entertainment are out in the lobby. And they, there's a couple middle-aged women. And they're like, we don't want to go to our cars. Like, we're too scared now. We just saw the scariest thing. And we don't want to walk walk in the dark to our cars. Right. And they were like, what did you just see that scared you this bad? Uh, just a thing called the Blair Witch Project. So... Yeah, that got them together with the directors, um, Myrick and uh, Sanchez, and yeah, that's when they got their $1.1 million deal going. 
Woo. So, yeah. What a great turnaround for those guys. I don't know if the actors got paid out more after that deal. I don't think so. I don't know. I heard they made something around 300000 a piece for it, but I don't know if after the total box office, box office numbers, if they got a piece of that. I would hope they get something because, I mean, you know, to have like that small of a budget, even when everything is said and done, you know, and you know they spend all the money on marketing, you're still looking at like $52 million tops to make five times at the box office. I would hope there'd be some... Uh, you know, handouts for the actors and hopefully, crew. hopefully, but you, you know, just cause they're just, we're college kids doing an indie film. Like no expected them to make money. So they definitely didn't have contracts to ensure that they made money. Right. So, you so, know, it's one yeah, of those things that maybe happened, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. All right. Well, um, why don't we start wrapping this up here and do some gambling? Cause we, again, Daniel and I have a movie we got to get to. Okay. So last week we bet on Gemini man. Daniel bet 65%. I bet 69%. As of recording... Yeah, did we say, what was it, 38% or so? For some reason we know that one written down, but it was in the low or the high 30s, I believe, though. So, Daniel, a week later, what is Gemini Man sitting at? Okay, with 238 reviews, it's sitting at 24%. Ouch. And with an audience score of 3,623 reviews, it's sitting at 84%. Well, Daniel, that makes you the winner. Woo! Finally. Finally. All right, cool. I already know what I want you to watch. All right, let's hear it. I, you, you've got to watch The Killing while it's still on Amazon Prime. Like, it is, I think you especially, because you like old movies too, you, I think, will really enjoy this movie. All right. I almost watched Dr. Strangelove instead of this movie because that one's on the uh, AFI Top 100, but this one I just like had was really interested in wanting to get to. All so right. definitely, it's it's cool to see like an old-school heist movie because, like I said, I've never, I had never seen one before. I think you're really going to like this. I already recommended this to two other people that I thought would really like it, too, after I saw it. All right, well, cool. Well, I will watch The Killing. All right, so this week, uh, we could bet on Zombieland 2. We could bet on Maleficent. I kind of want to bet on something we probably won't see because I think we're looking at seeing Double Tap this week. So why don't we bet on Maleficent, Mistress of Evil? Okay. Oh, we shouldn't look that up. But I remember the uh, first one pretty well received for the most part. I don't know how well this one will be received. It's kind of hit or miss. I don't know. All right, you got an answer. Yep. So, so I think this is gonna be. I wrote fifty-eight percent. I think it's gonna be rotten, but just barely rotten. Okay. It's kind of in the middle. I don't think it's gonna be. It could be a disaster. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be eighty plus though. So I said fifty-eight. Well, I'm just going off my personal like biases. Is again, I'll restate it. I'm never excited for any of these live action remakes. And at least this one was like kind of like a new story, but since then they've just kind of reboot, like just done like soft reboots, live action wise. Mm-hmm. So I don't like these movies. I don't remember liking Maleficent that much, and this one just doesn't really catch my attention at all or my interest. I wrote sixty percent. Okay. So. All right, another close one. All right. Well, as of recording, what are we looking at for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil? Okay. At time of recording, with 56 reviews in, it's at a 50%. 
Okay. Wow. So people are not liking this movie. Kind of surprising because you know the the live action remakes still do somewhat well. Still go anywhere in a week. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, hey, that wraps up our latest throwback episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for downloading the podcast and thanks for sharing it with friends. We appreciate it. And yes, we will talk to you next time on. I said, what are we going to be back with next week, Daniel? We're thinking Zombieland Double Tap. Thinking Zombieland Double Tap, but also Jojo Rabbit comes out. Jay and Silent Bob comes out. Ah, too many options. But I Jojo think... Rabbit's at least getting a limited release, so we're probably not even going to be able to watch that for a little bit. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be Zombieland. More than likely, yeah. Especially right. since I just watched the new one. Yeah. Alrighty, everybody. Well, hey, thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on Movies and Brews. Cheers. Cheers. And we're out. <laughs>